When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At Firehouse Subs, a portion of every purchase helps provide life-saving equipment to first responders. We make our subs differently because our subs make a difference. Like our Italian sub, piled high with Genoa salami, pepperoni, and Virginia honey ham. Or our Firehouse Meatball Sub with zesty marinara, both with melted provolone and Italian seasoning. Your choice, just $6.99 each for a medium and only for a limited time at Firehouse Subs. Tap the banner now to start your order. It is the weekly show here on the Blue Room. We are live on YouTube and, of course, on all usual podcast places. And I'm in a good mood. I'm feeling very happy, feeling very positive. Uh, and joining me are three smile, well, two smiling faces and Dave Downey so far. Dave's got a little grin on his face now. Uh, how are you doing, Dave? Yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit fed up, mate, to be honest with you. I'm bored <laughs> and, and, and exasperated with certain things, to be honest. So, um, yeah, not, not, not feeling too good in that regard. But, um, yeah, I mean... Can't not smile internally at the top of the league. Um, finally, the derby misery uh, and the fallout of it is, is starting to abate a little bit, I think. So, uh, yeah, very much looking forward to what's next to come, these next three games. Uh, Mike uh, joins us as well. How are you doing, mate? Good, good to have you back on. Uh, good to see you made it through the other side of the derby. Yeah, yeah. I feel like Dave said, feeling a little bit better now that the, the talk after the derby is starting to die down a bit. It's... Um, Got a bit fed up with the Pickford chat and you know the offside calls where even though it was the correct decision and everything. Um but I'm just looking forward to Southampton now. I think once we win on Sunday, I think we will we'll all be able to forget about uh, the weekend. Yeah. and um, one person who joins as well, as you can all see, was there at the weekend, Sarah. Um what what was it like being there, Sarah? Was it weird watching the Merseyside Derby with no supporters? Oh well, for, unfortunately, this time, I, I, well, I actually think it was probably fortunate that I wasn't there. I, I didn't actually get to stay for that game. I got to stay for the ah, West Brom okay. game, which was amazing. However, just being in the stadium before, um, in the build-up, that in itself was was mad. You know, um, seeing them lot right behind me on the pitch because we were in the park end recording the, the Everton Live beforehand and, you know, Plop and the others kept walking past and I, I was thinking oh god I hope we get you know get a win over them today um, and unfortunately we didn't we didn't get the three points but uh, yeah we're still sat at the top of the league and we need fans back don't we I think I think uh, seeing Goodison empty in the build-up to a derby in which Everton are going into it top of the table for it to be quiet and not have a slot in there uh, it, it just sort of hit home how big of a Impact it's having, but yeah, uh, hopefully sooner rather than later. Eh? Yeah, I think Seamus has started his programme notes in me as well, um, in regards to which is both sets of supporters were there, but you're absolutely right. But before we go on to speak about the, the refereeing controversy in that game, we'll only do a little bit on it because I'm keen to move on now because I think it's it's been done to death and we all sort of know what's going on with Jordan Pickford and all that. And like Mike said, we'll look ahead to Southampton and maybe reflect on the start of the season as a whole, which has been probably understatedly fantastic for Everton's point of view. But what Sarah, one game you were at the weekend was Everton women against Brighton women. And there were some remarkable refereeing decisions that went on in that game. And I sort of feel as though if there hadn't been such a fallout, 
from the Merseyside derby in regards to what had gone on in that game and some of the other big decisions over the weekend. But, but what happened in that game probably would have pierced the, the footballing consciousness. But effectively, a Brighton player got booked twice but not sent off. That's exactly what happened, Matt. And yeah, it was absolutely ludicrous, to be honest with you. And uh, from the kind of relief in, in certain ways that I felt the day before, um, you know, with decisions maybe going our way on certain things, although in, in point proven, actually, yeah, they were the correct decisions in, to, in the way the game goes. But it felt the opposite of that on, on Sunday in that um, it really felt like we were kind of robbed, the girls were robbed in a sense of, you know, there was a, there was a penalty that for me was a blatant penalty I lose count of how many um, onsides, onside uh, opportunities we had that the flag went up. Um, and of course, as you just said, the player was booked twice. Hayley Green received two yellows and eluded the officials. Um, although I spoke to Willie Kirk after the game um, and I said, look, can we, can we talk about this in the interview? And he said, yeah, absolutely. Um, I said, yeah, but what happened? <laughs> Apparently the fourth official did say to the referee, you've booked her twice. But apparently uh, she wasn't having any of it. Um, it was just a mad thing to, to witness. And I, were all I the, were, were, Sorry, sir, were, were all the girls onto it as well? Did they know what happened? Were they over yeah. at the referee complaining? The, the girls were onto it and sort of saying to her, you've already booked her. And and, and she just wasn't having any of it. Um, I think the, the girl at the time, Kaylee, uh, kind of, she knows obviously she's been booked, so she's committed the the foul, and she's kind of almost bidding with the the you know the ref like ah oh, thinking oh she's going to book me here and I'm going to go, and I think she's kind of gobsmacked as well, just gets off, <laughs> and everyone the fallout's just a bit mad, and I'm at the side of the pitch thinking maybe I've mistaken this, maybe it isn't what happened, but no it did. She got booked twice and uh, and stayed on the pitch, and unfortunately Everton. It's definitely two points dropped. We're still top of the league, still unbeaten. But uh, yeah, it, it, it's harder to take when you get outrageous things like that happen. Yeah, remarkable stuff. Uh, I couldn't believe it when I read about that this morning. I can't believe it, it wasn't on, on more major news outlets. But I don't know, maybe it's one of them where I just missed it because uh, there's so much Merseyside derby hype. And, and we, you know, we'll, we'll get the, the Pickford stuff out the way. Obviously, you know, me and you spoken about it a bit earlier in the weekday. We sort of anticipated the this would all get ramped up over the, the this uh, you know the next few days obviously when Adam and Klopp stuck the boot in a little bit yesterday in the, in the press conference and it's also one of them where you, it just sort of feels like they need to play a football match again now Liverpool so we can get this out the new cycle and, and, and just get on with it doesn't it? Yeah I mean <clears throat> with with the Wijnaldum and Klopp comments they're, they're very unhelpful I think I understand they're going to ask questions about it but for them to go um, that deep into their feelings, talking about sleepless nights. It only makes the entire situation far, far worse for Jordan Pickford. There's a line that's being crossed, I feel, here, Matt, as well, because I'm not crying this in because I'm an Evertonian, but you think of the welfare of Jordan Pickford and his family. You look at some of the messages they've received on social media. You look at what the, the public hanging that he's basically had um, from, from all corners, <laughs> um, from prominent national, international journalists, to uh, fan abuse on, on social media. Uh, it's gone far too uh, grim, in my opinion. Um, and, and, and I think it quite quickly needs to be a li- either a line drawn under it or actually Everton themselves get involved here and, and, and come out with something. I'm not sure what that would be. Um, I know that would be a difficult thing for them to do in, in positional sense because any sort of reaction will be met with the same sort of outrage. 
I think um, I'm I'm back to thinking that I actually wish he'd have got a ban now retrospectively. I wish he was sent off because when it gets this personal and this abusive, you have to start thinking about the actual mental welfare of people and their families because it, what 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 we've seen since has been absolutely disgusting. I think and there's no there's been no sort of I don't think there's been any sort of um, respect shown. Um, and, and there'll be Reds watching this now talking about respect and, and, and outrage maybe even throwing the phones or TVs whatever it is at the wall listening to me say this but what Liverpool have done is poured um, fuel on the fire in my opinion with those two comments from, from Klopp and Wijnaldum yes absolutely you should be outraged by that tackle I would be if it was us you should absolutely um, feel for Virgil van Dijk maybe not in the weird way that they sort of have with you know organising vigils protests and and books of condolence in the Liverpool Echo but you know we hurt we've had it done to us with James Coleman with Andrew Gomez I cannot for the life of me remember it going this far um, even even the abuse from our own fans which I don't condone towards Son at that time was nowhere near the levels of this and I, it makes me quite angry quite emotional to be honest with you that there's no there's no due care or, or trail of thought towards these people as human beings Hmm. And, you know, I'm no idea what sort of state Jordan Pickford's in. I'm pretty sure Carlo will be asked about that either tomorrow or Friday, whenever the press conference is. I think it'll be Friday. Um, and, and you're in a situation where you're just, you're just looking at others and people on both sides of, of the Everton-Liverpool debate thinking, when are we going to start realising we're human beings and adults here? Most of us. There's absolutely, it's just so unnecessary uh, over a game of football. This time it's us. Look, it's going to happen every year in a derby. Someone's going to get injured. A rash tackle goes in. There's more red cards in that game than any other in Premier League history. It happens. It's a Merseyside derby. The extent of Van Dijk's injury here seems to be peddling the narrative and a dangerous one at that. You look at, you know, national newspaper comparing it to Roy Keane, who, by his own admission, tried to end a player's career. It's getting compared to that. I'm not sure if any of you saw Keith Hackett, who used to be the head of the PGMOL and the former top-level referee, saying that Liverpool should look at suing Jordan Pickford. I mean, what on earth is that all about? Um, it, it just it, it, It's mind-blowing to me, and I, I just don't understand when it's going to stop. Uh, and like Mike says, there, I think from our point of view, it's cooled down a little bit. But there's this, this still this, this sort of poisonous, toxic atmosphere, I think, between firstly both clubs and also everyone towards Jordan Pickford. I think it's, as well, Mike, it's, it's one of them where, you know, we said at the start, you know, we sort of want to move on and don't want to talk about it. But it, it feels like the more they talk about it, the more that we in our own circles have to speak about it. Because otherwise, you know, this happens to a lot in football. Whatever's said and whatever's peddled by things in the media when it comes to bigger clubs often become truths. And, and you know, that, that, that can't be the case. But what have you made of it all, mate, in, in the aftermath and in the days following the derby? Um, well, like I mentioned before, like I, it's, I've got really frustrated with it. Yeah, I understood like the initial reaction. I think anyone, if it was the way around, we would have been rightfully we would have been fuming. You know, it was a red card. It was, it was a stupid tackle. I think if anything, I was I, I watched it back today and was like, he, he was he's right to come out. Like I saw um, David Priest. He was on the other day on the Blue Room, wasn't he? And um, he compared it to the Tom Heaton save for Burnley against United a few years ago, I think it was. And he comes out and it's like, it's the star, it's like the, the starfish, isn't it? And you make yourself look big and that's what he does. He makes yourself look big. The only thing, 
and force and he ends up clattering into Van Dijk at the same time. But and obviously, no one likes to see a player get injured. Um, you know, Dave mentioned there we've had it ourselves with Coleman against the uh, I think it was Neil Taylor, wasn't it? In, yeah, uh, the Welsh left back. You know, but the reaction, especially like I said, I understand from the fans, especially initially. You know, you, you you're gonna be angry, but from the media, it, it, it turns into a witch hunt, really. And it, you know, as you've seen people saying Pickford's this type of player, and you know, he's he's not done. From what I'm aware, I think he'd made one bad tackle. I think he, he had um, a big collision, not a big collision, but he had a collision with Deli Ali um, a few years ago. But it's, you know, it, it can be really frustrating. And I hope Carlo comes out on Thursday or Friday. And I don't think the club can't not say anything. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think if they just if they just let this go, then, you know, anytime something else happens, I feel like, I don't, I'm not sure really what to make of it all, but... It's just so frustrated, and I think from Jordan Pickford's point of view as well, you know, I don't know, I don't really know how to word it, but it's, you know, like I think Dave said before that, you know, from like his, we don't, we, like how Pickford's deal with this himself, you don't know how he's going to be like on Sunday, he yeah. might actually get himself sent off again, well, not again, but. Yeah, I suppose that that is the worry, isn't it, Sarah? You know, it's. We don't, I think there's been so many people rushing to judgments about what type of person Jordan Pickford is, despite 99.9% of them not really knowing, knowing him at all, really. And I suppose we don't know how he's going to deal with this. You know, he might just come into Finch Farm this week and shrug it off and be like, you know, what, I don't even know what Klopp or Wan Adam or, or anybody else or Keith Hackett or Graham Sooners have even been saying about me. And it might still be for the lads to fill him in. But in the, in the same breath, it might be, you know, it might have been, on social media, checking through. He might have had people telling about it all week. He, he might be struggling with it. And I suppose that's where this is, it gets quite difficult for Everton, doesn't it? Because you know, I've, been, I've been saying on a, a couple of shows this week, I'd be tempted to, to just tell him to, to get away from it all for a few days and just spend time with family at home, give Robin Olsen the game at the weekend, and then we'll readdress it again on Monday. I'm not entirely sure that the club will do that, but it's just, it's, it's that... It's that, that's the, the annoying thing about it. There's people who've r- rushed to judgment on this lad. Perhaps we've been guilty of at times when we talk about his, his temperament and his personality and that sort of stuff, but not to this extent where people are making judgments about him and saying, this fella tried to seriously hurt this fella in a football match. Um, that, that's too far, isn't it? It's massively too far. And, you know, I don't think anybody is trying to defend uh, the tackle. You know, it, it, it was reckless and... Nobody likes to see that kind of injury happen uh, in football to anybody. Uh, but as far as I'm aware, and I think most of us um, are in the opinion of it, it was never with any malice behind it at all and with no intent. He, he was he was trying to make himself big in that sort of starfish kind of thing. And it's, it's just ended in a bad way, unfortunately. But yeah, to, to be questioning his character and to basically accuse somebody of trying to jeopardise another professional's career. Um, yes, it's a derby. Yes, there's tough t- tackles. Mm-hmm. How many have we seen? Even in that game, there was a couple of little kickouts and malicious little, you know, and the, it, it's, for me, it was the press conference. I just was waiting for the violins to come out. It was, it, it was being made so so sort of personal and that it was like that's why we can't accept it because they've done this and Everton are always like this and they always play this way in games no we don't it's it's a derby it's tough tackling on both ends 
we've seen we've all seen we've seen a couple in on and them we've had it plenty of times on us and i just think that yeah, leave the lad alone he's going to be feeling miserable enough about it i'm sure he's he's going to feel on a human level you'd feel horrible wouldn't you having known that you've caused that to somebody else so i'm sure and he's going to be aware of it it's, it's talking point everywhere all o over all the the news channels and when you get Klopp and, and when Yardam say anything that's going to be you know he headline news everywhere so I don't think they've done the lad any favours and um, you know as Mike said there I hope Carlo comes out on uh, on, on Thursday or Friday and, and gives him his backing and maybe he will need take time out I, I, I don't know with that one uh, where he'll be at in his, his mental state with it but um, I'm sure that Everton and that Ancelotti will do whatever's right for him you know that 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 i know will be the case 100 percent um and yeah people just need to people just need to realize what they're doing sometimes yes we're all very passionate about our clubs and gosh don't be curse and swear and get angry when, when things go against us and we're all very passionate and you know i was i was furious after the sun one on gomez but there's levels you can be annoyed and you can go oh that was that was bad that you don't have to start judging people's characters and threats mm. and this is a, la a young man with a wife and a, and a young baby you know come on let's have some let's have some bloody kind of humanity do you know what I mean the world's bad enough at the moment <laughs> yeah okay. Dave you want to make a point there mate sorry yeah just just to well wrap it up from my point of view really I actually really disappointed in Jurgen Klopp in particular what Wijnaldum I think there's he, he's got far more of an emotional attachment, I think, and he can speak in a different way to the club's manager. But when Klopp's coming out and saying, um, the, only, the only people who are suffering the consequences of this are Thiago and Virgil van Dijk, that's, that's particularly short-sighted from him and a little bit crass, I feel. And, and I actually like Jürgen Klopp as a person. I think everything he says and does and the way he conducts himself, aside away from football, in terms of him as a human being, um, He's a very sort of socialist um, nature to him, isn't it? And for him to not sort of consider the impact that has on innocent parties in this, and I'm talking about Pickford's wife and his his family, basically his family and, and his young um, young child. That that to me is inconsiderate, um, and I'm not I'm not too sure if he's if he's actually thought that through before he's been asked it. Look, I appreciate people talk on emotion. People are still talking on emotion about this. Um, Wijnaldum and, and Klopp are perfectly entitled to do so like I said I think when your best player your best defender one of the best in the world all that stuff has been knocked out for the season and you, you are going to be bitter disappoint, but disappointed angry all of those negative emotions are going to come spewing over I appreciate that but like Sarah says there I think you need a little bit of self perspective of the platform you've got and the reaction people are going to take when you're essentially vindicating their thoughts. Um, not to the point I'm, I'm saying Klopp and Wijnaldum are condoning abuse and things like that, but they must know that they're the consequences of what happens in these situations. And you're Jordan Pickford's wife and you're getting that sort of thing. Um, and, and I've only seen a couple of screenshots myself. I, I, don't, I don't particularly like looking at that sort of thing. Well, there's been it's, more this uh, today, haven't there, as well? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it will continue as well because you know people are idiots. Uh, a lot of people are idiots. And it's sort of like it's a, it has a snowball effect when people start becoming outraged about that. It's the very thing people start doing to make them even more outraged. That's the way social media works, unfortunately. Um, but I was a little bit disappointed in Klopp saying that because there are more than the injured parties in physical ways here. Um, 
And I, I'm, I don't know if I agree with you or not, Matt, in terms of taking him out for a bit. And that, that's purely, I think, up to Ancelotti and the bathroom staff when they've spoken to him. Does he want to sort of carry on with it? I would imagine the sort of character he is. And the one thing we can't say he's not is somebody who will try his best and absolutely front up to all of this. That's one of his, his key attributes, I think. Um, I, I, if you take him out, I think that might send an even bigger, more negative message if he doesn't want that. Um, so I, I would expect them to continue. I'd expect them to say, well, I'll just take a really sort of put two fingers up and let's get on with it sort of attitude. Um, whereas if you make that decision and take it out of his hands and think, you know what, he's not going to be in the right place here, might even hurt him a little bit more. So I think that's a really delicate situation. Well, what I'd, what I'd say then, maybe maybe phrasing it wrong, it's not what I would do. If I if I was the coaching staff this week, I would have that as a, an option on the on the table. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'd be considering it. Yeah, yeah. I'd, you know, because like you said, he's not going to come into Finch Farm and go, Carlo, I don't want to play on Sunday. Because you can say a lot of things about Jordan Pickford, but he's not someone who'll back down in that no. sense from from you know trying to prove a point or, or whatever. But I think. It's important that, and you know, Everton will. Carlo Ancelotti is an experienced manager. He would have dealt with these sorts of situations before. You know, there'll be people at the club that know him and know his family and have spoken to him. I think everybody will need to have an eye on him this week and see if he's feeling all right, if he's looking himself in training, you know, what's going on at home and all that kind of thing. And I just think Everton should at least have that on, on the table going, going into this weekend. But, you know, I'm sure we'll find out more about it over the next couple of days. Let's move on and speak positively because, Mike, it's almost been forgotten in in the aftermath of all this that Everton is still top of the Premier League. They're still unbeaten. They've won seven and drawn one of the first eight games of the season, uh, two of which have included top six sides from from last year. They came back from behind twice last weekend. And, you know, I think in particular after Liverpool's second goal, I thought that was the winner. It's game over. Um, They're just... They're evolving into a really good side. And... Albeit, I think we're, we could all probably say we were disappointed with the way Everton played at the weekend. It's probably the worst performance of the season overall. Mm. Uh, to be sat here where we are and, and to get a draw from that situation, I'm falling behind twice. Is is testament to, to this side and this manager, isn't it? They've had a great start to the season. Yeah, I think you know we saw. I think we saw probably, like you said, probably our worst performance on Saturday, wasn't it? But you know, I said that. I think I mentioned it similarly uh, after the Crystal Palace game. We didn't perform well. Well, we didn't perform great, like fantastically, but we still created opportunities and we still defended fairly, you know, solidly. And I think that's that's the main thing, really, for me. Is, you know, we didn't look like we got out of second or third gear on Saturday, and still we looked threat, and still we caused them problems. And like, yeah, of course they lost Van Dyke and they didn't have Allison in goal, but they, these are still, you know. Premier League champions and you know they like to remind us that they are world champions as well and they were European champions like a year ago. So well, I think that's that's the, they started with the best outfield ten in the yeah, I think. Well, yeah. that, that midfield as much as you know, you know, I'm not a big fan of Jordan Henderson. Like he's he's been fantastic for the past two years. Thiago is one of the best midfielders in the in the world. And Fabinho and Fabinho, what he does is you know there's not a lot of people that you know you can compare to him. And I think we saw, you know, I don't think Gomez and Alan in particular had their best games. And I don't think the core was fantastic either. But they didn't look out of their depth. You know what I mean? It wasn't like two or three, it wasn't like the last two or three derbies where we'll be, we might be a little bit confident because it's that Goodison. You know, we didn't, we didn't like, you know, we didn't start well, but we also didn't, you know, cower at, you know, at the game. You know, we didn't necessarily look like um, the inferior opposition. And we, we didn't play like we did, you know, 
we didn't play like we were champions because we're not, but we played like you know we're just as good as you. If we're on it. If we're on it. We can be just as good as you here. Yeah? And of course, you know, I think maybe if we had an extra two or three weeks after the international break, we might have been you know a bit more. At it. I think I don't know when Rodriguez and Mina got back, but I assume at the very earliest it would have been uh, Wednesday night. Or I think it was Thursday. first. I think it was Thursday night. Yeah. Was first. Well, yeah. there we go. And you know. When you talk about tactical preparation and you compare the two sides, Klopp's been at Liverpool for five years now, and those type of games, a lot of it for the players, it's just habit. Now you can just say, do this and they'll do it. Whereas Ancelotti will still need days and days really to prepare for these type of big games. Um, we didn't look out of our depth, and I think that's the main thing for me. You know, we played. I think the United game in a few weeks time will be a massive test for it. It'd be a really big like. I think if we can. Go into that game, we'll still be unbeaten, even if we've not won the next two, even if like win one, draw one. I think if we can go into the next international break, it's still unbeaten. And then, I think, is it the United game before the international yeah, break? Yeah, that's the last one before the break. Or is yeah. it before, four yeah. afterwards? I think if we can go into that United game and perform, you know, at the level we were before the international break, I think obviously they won last night, didn't they? But they've not had the, the greatest start. I think... I think it, it would be a, it's a perfect test, perfect opportunity to show where they're at. Do you know what I mean? And I've got full confidence now. Yeah, it's it's exciting, isn't it, Sarah? Because I think going into this, this campaign, there are probably a few things you look at this side and, and not be sure about. One of them is what happens when they fall behind in matches. Because last season, you know, apart from that that match at Watford, of course, they were they were horrendous when it came to to coming back from behind and getting results from from losing positions. And the other one was our results away at, at top six teams. And obviously the win at Tottenham on the opening day sort of strikes that one off. You know, we've broken that duck now. And on numerous occasions this season, this side has, has shown that when they do get pegged back, they've got the the character. And I think probably more important than the character is the quality to just, as Mike said, when you're not playing well, to stick in, to hang in the game, plug away, plug away, plug away. And then just give Rodriguez the ball and he can make something happen. And I think that that's what this side's got now. It's got that nice balance, hasn't it? It has, and you know, it's it's spot on about going behind in games. And we have seen that happen quite often. Obviously, we got off to a, the, the perfect start with the win at Spurs. Then we're at Goodison, we find ourselves behind against West Brom, then level, then ahead, then level again. And you know, we still go on to win the game by three goals. Palace the week after that, we're, again, we've won both our away games as well. And in that game, we were pegged back again. And we see it time and time again. And with the derby as well, when Salah scored that goal, and I mean, questionable from a defensive point of view for us, which is frustrating in a time, I think, where we've been largely on top as well in terms of chances created. But when that went in, I was disappointed because I thought, oh, we're only going to draw this now. I still thought we've really? got Really? See, I, I, I thought that was it. I thought that's the winner. No, I, 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 I thought to myself, you know, we're not going to win it again. And it's going to, you know, it, we've not got that kind of boxed off. But I went into the game, I'll be honest, really thinking we're going to beat them. And, and I was quite confident that, and I think had we been at the levels that we have hit, had, you know, you know, the likes of Richarlison and Mina and Hammers and, you know, they... They'd been travelling so far and Gomez wasn't quite at it. Alan wasn't, Decore wasn't. Um, we weren't at our best. And I think had we been at our best, I think we'd have, we'd have put that game to bed. We had chances to do it. Uh, but obviously the way in which it happened in the end, you'd take, you'd take the draw, wouldn't you? But uh, yeah, that, that's, that says it all. To go, to go behind twice and Manny scoring after, what, three minutes? 
you know, and I think if that had been last season, you'd dread to think how many we could have lost the game by. Um, so you've got to credit on to, to go behind twice and still come away with the point uh, when we're not quite at our best. And we're still at the top of the league, four wins and a draw against the, the current uh, holders of the league. You know, you can't ask for much more than that, can you? So uh, long may it continue. I think what's going to be interesting for me, Dave, is how the players are feeling about it this week and what the mindset is because Dominic Carvalho was interviewed after the game, wasn't he? And he said, well, I'm actually quite disappointed we didn't win that. But from from if I was in that point of view, I'd be saying that's that's a, a really good point because, again, while they didn't play well, the excuses were sort of there for Everton if they did lose this game, wasn't it? You know, it's Liverpool having a backlash after that 7-2. I think if you go through the, the start of 11 at the, at the weekend, I think seven or eight either were on international duties or were carrying injuries in the game before and going into this game. So it wasn't a fully fit and fully sharp squad. But I think the fact that they've been able to, to dig in twice and, and, and been able to come back in the game should be viewed as a real positive. You know, Obviously, there's been a lot of negativity around the club in, in the, the media at the moment and people sticking the boot into us and... You know, a lot of people saying we massively got off of one with that late goal. Albeit, as Mike said, you know, by the rules, it's it's offside. Offside, offside is offside in this day and age, isn't it? But do you think that, what do you think the players will be feeling like after that game going into training this week? Um, I think they should feel that they're still pushing with this momentum that we've had since before the international break. Definitely, because I, I think to me and and I think to them, this may seem like it's a victory in many ways, simply because. We, I mean, I'll be perfectly honest. I think we got away with one, to be honest. I thought they could have won the game quite comfortably. Certainly the way we started. And the way we started wasn't bad by that. I mean, I think Everton had the right attitude in this game. They could actually go toe-to-toe with Liverpool for the first time in many years. <clears throat> the execution of it was far different. Um, I think in their heads, they would have been like, yeah, we're well up for this. We can beat Liverpool at football, um, which obviously we haven't been able to do for the best, well, a decade. Um, before that but in terms of actually translating that to how they actually physically played I think that was a a little bit different they didn't play <clears throat> like they knew that um, it, and, and I think that's still a very positive thing because they quite clearly fancied it they, they fancied taking Liverpool apart um, and that's the exact type of attitude we've been missing for such a long time so I'm, abs- I'm, I'm fine with that how they executed any sort of game plan they went into it with was, was very different, I think, to what they probably seen in their heads. Liverpool started like a train. They, 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 were, they were superb in the first 15, 20 minutes, I thought. Could have gone a couple of goals up. Um, you, you look at the goal they did score, that's really early. Everton was still finding the feet in this game, and I was really concerned. I, I thought this, this could be a little bit of an onslaught from Liverpool. We could be out of this before we even had a chance to play properly. Um, that said, they missed chances. We started to come into it a little bit more. And I felt like when, when it did settle down, we played some decent stuff in patches. Um, I think Mike's absolutely right. That wasn't anywhere near uh, the, the, the sort of level of performance we've seen in the other four games before that in the Premier League. But that's what happens when you play in the top of the league. So I'm like, I think you're absolutely right, Matt. I think when you can, you can caveat a lot of this with we're playing the, the champions of the Premier League here. Do you know what I mean? How far of a jump do you expect us to have made from the dour end to last season to, to the, the, the start of this one? And it's off the scale, the improvement that we've seen, the attitude. Every single thing is different and being turned around since the end of last season. Two or three games in, you may be thinking, yeah, flash in the pan. But getting being able to have the resilience and character to get back into a game like that 
even if we'd have lost it in the last minute 3-2, the attitude there tells me that it's a sustainable thing. It's not a flash in the pan. These lads have got the bit between the teeth now. Um, and, and if that's the worst they play, then we'll still we'll still be more than half of this league. Um, so, yeah, I still take a lot of confidence from the, the, the game in probably a lot of different ways than the actual performance and how they kick the ball about. Yeah, uh, but moving on to speaking about the rest of the teams in the league, one of the, the games is going to be a test. We feel like all, all the games coming up, as Mike said, are, are a little test in, in different ways for us, but it's Southampton on yeah. Sunday. And I'll come to you first on, on this one, sir. I just sort of rattle through who was going to play. Um, interesting, I thought, after the game, that Carlo was keen to name-check John Joe Kenny in the you know battle for the right-back spot, if you will, with Seamus Coleman injured, but... Ben Godfrey obviously did dead well when he came on on Saturday. Um, who would you go for in, in there? Because I think as, as much as Godfrey impressed, he's not a natural right-back, is he? Kenny's been with the squad. I think it's a really difficult decision, that one. Yeah, it is because, as you say, you know, Godfrey came in. Unfortunately, Coleman goes off injured and you, you never want to see that, especially in a derby, your captain. But... Uh, he came in and at that point you, you, you're a little bit worried, but he, I thought he was absolutely tremendous. You know, talk about being thrown in at the deep end. It's a Merseyside derby and you're being played not in your favoured position. And the, the confidence of the lad really kind of struck me as well. Um, he, he'd come into that side and was was dictating and, and telling people what to do. He was driving the ball forwards. And I wouldn't actually mind seeing him play right back again. But then, no, I think if Coleman isn't going to be available to play, then I would probably just about prefer to see John Joe Kenny go in, maybe even to start. Um, you know, that, that is his position after all. Um, and he, he's done all right, I think, John Joe as well, to be fair, when, when he has been in. It's just that Coleman's obviously been fantastic I think in recent weeks but uh, no I think I think it'll probably be John Joe but isn't it great to know that we have got Ben Godfrey to come in and, and do a decent job if, if we need him to do that for us yeah uh, it sounds like all hell is breaking loose in Dave's house so we'll, we'll go to Mike uh, what, what, what about you I suppose that the easy decision I'll make one it would be to, to put Godfrey straight back in whereas picking Kenny might be a, a bit of a harder one after after Godfrey did so well. It might be a difficult conversation for, for Carlo to have with Ben Godfrey. You know, you've kept Sadio Mane quite quiet for, for an hour there, mate. But, uh, you know, you're on the bench again this weekend. Yeah, I, I think I think Godfrey played really well, to be fair. I think he had that, uh, a moment or two at the start where he was maybe a bit nervy. But I think he really grew into the game. But I think, I think you ought to give Kenny the game on Sunday only because, you know, obviously he's had, a, he had a, quite a good season at Schalke and he's probably came back must have been told they must have made a decision at some point saying they're not going to sign a right back and you know Kenny's played a full season in Germany he's, he's not going to have wanted to have done that and come back and be in the exact same position where he was 12 months ago do you know what I mean and I feel like if we do just you know I don't know how much money we would have got for him in, in the summer I really don't I would have you know before Covid I was hoping if we had, if we had sold him would have got you know 20 plus or something like that I think if you you bring him back and you just you know keep him on the bench for a full season, then you know that's going to diminish very quickly. And I'm, I'm not sure if you're talking about you know protecting assets or whatever. Even if you even if you don't think he's the long term, you know even if you don't think he's the future, which I very much doubt he is. You know you, you still got to give him games, and, and when Coleman's out injured, especially with the form he's been in, because you know it's the first four games of the season, you know I don't know he they had a poor start against them, probably should have done better for their goal. I think he Robertson just kind of not breezed past them, but he should have been stronger. Do you know what I mean? But before that, he he'd been 
you know, I was one who very much thought Coleman's Everton career was was coming to an end. You know, especially after not not necessarily last season, but there's been signs over the last eighteen months that he's since the leg break, he's he's obviously not been up there. But st- since the start of the season, he's been fantastic. He's been really really good. And Kenny's not Kenny's not had a look in. Whereas before the start of the season, it was very much. You know, I remember thinking on the Saturday before the Spurs game, like I'm not sure who's going to start here. Kenny could well start. Yeah. I've got no idea. So I think, you know, Kenny's really. But this one is—it's all about competition, isn't it? And and Kenny's got to Kenny's got to play. Even I don't know how long Cole won't be out for. I assume you probably missed the uh, the Newcastle game the week after. Is it was a hamstring injury again? It was the same injury, wasn't it? Yeah, I suppose the, the the good thing about this as well is that there's op- there's two options there now, isn't it? Which means we don't yeah. have to to rush him back. So if he isn't, you know, it's, it's also got the sense of the weekend that he just thought he could gut, gut his way through that game. Yeah, and like the, the the challenge you mentioned on Rob Robertson there was sort of the epitome of a player not feeling totally confident yeah. about his own condition, yeah, not quite going in hard enough on it. So maybe there's a bit of concern about that. Uh, Dave, you you were comparing Ben Godfrey to. Your hero, Julian Lescott, or your left back hero, Julian Lescott, on one of the shows this week. Would you keep him in the side? I'd, I'd love to keep. I'd love to keep him in. I think, but I, I think the more sense, uh, sensible point of view is to put Kenny in. Um, just from an experience point of view, Southampton have quite quick attacking players. Not only Danny Ings, but you think like the likes of Nathan Redmond, um, who, who are able to be quite clever in, in the way they operate down the down the channels. I think. To put him in, a, in an unfamiliar position, let's say, um, would be a little bit harsh on him, I think, in the early throws of his Everton career. You know, he's been forced onto a Merseyside derby as his, at his debut. Um, a lot of us didn't know who he was until a fortnight ago, because <laughs> uh, I, I doubt any Everton would be watching Norwich too closely. So, you know, he, he, he's done fantastic since, he, since he's come in. I mean, what a baptism of fire that is. Um, I bet he's, he's phoning his mates back home in Norwich saying this isn't Kansas anymore. Um, <laughs> and it, it, it was a real feel-good performance from him, I felt. And, and like I said to you the other day, he gives me the tingles, Matt. You know, I love, love a good tingle, but it doesn't happen that, that often with Everton players. And he's um, one, I think, that looks the type that is going to really sort of get... When, when he gets going, he, he hasn't got obvious pace, but he's lightning quick. And by that, I mean... We look at, I think I said this in, in the post-match, we look at conventional uh, fast players in the Premier League and they're normally quite diminutive. Um, it's either one or the other generally, isn't it? You, you're either big and strong or you're either little and quick in, in, in general in football and parlance. But he looks like he's got the best of both. He looks like a unit who can use pace, um, gets those legs up, gets the knees right by his chest and just pummels people out the way. I love that type of player. Um, it's it's the type that gets the Gladys Street on its feet as well. I think, you know, when you see somebody pick the ball up deep, they're able to just run direct. There's no there's no real sort of skill involved in it. It's just pure athleticism that gets him into a decent position where he can put a cross into the box or he can have a shot. I mean, that, I mean, I was I was bedazzled by Julian Lescott for so long. In fact, I was fuming when he got put to centre half. Um, I get that, I got that <laughs> feeling on on Saturday to be honest with you. But uh, yeah, on, in terms of this game. I don't have any qualms if he does play. Absolutely not. But I think the sensible head will will get the better. And I think Kenny will come in uh, with that little bit more of experience in Guile um, compared to a raw, uh, more raw Ben Godfrey. But then again, I mean, he has got Premier League experience, hasn't he? Just not very good Premier League experience. Yeah. So um, I, have no, I have no problems with him starting that. And hey, look, you have an embarrassment of riches, a fullback now all of a sudden. When, you know, you go back, what, four months? 
everybody's looking at each other like, I'm going, maybe we should have kept Sadibi. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's quite the change, isn't it, to having Kunku one side and Godfrey the other, not thinking that the world's going to end. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. Uh, Mike, Dave said that uh, Ben Godfrey gives him the tingles. Does the prospect of Alex Iwobi playing left mid at the weekend give you, give, give you the tingles, mate? Or would you rather, would you rather see Anthony Gordon there? I mean, I like Iwobi, but he's not Richarlison, is he? I mean, I, I said on Twitter today, I wouldn't mind seeing Neil some Kunku there, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> like you know what? I, I, like, I like that tweet at the time, Mike. I want to ask you about that. Because it's such an outside-the-box sort of thinking. But when you think about what we've seen from him so far, it feels yeah. like it would be a really good fit. Yeah, I feel like especially if you're talking about trying to replicate what Richarlison does, you know, I do like Awobi, but Richarlison's direct and he's really robust and he's going he's gonna to work hard and Awobi's just not that. You know, as much as I like him, he's not someone who's going to, you know, you know, run and run for, you know, 90 minutes. Whereas Kunku, I mean, I suppose Gordon as well, you know, the bit of Mavericks, do you know what I mean? And I think half back, it's, It'd be it would be weird, but it'd be it would be fun to watch. And I feel like, you know, if you know Ancelotti feeling it and and Kunku for some reason starts at left wing on Sunday, I'd have no complaints. I'm not gonna lie. There you go, Sarah. What about you? Who would you go for? So I agree with what Mike's saying there. It's it be more of like a wide midfielder, isn't he? Whereas Richardson's at a wide forward, and and they'll give you different things. And you sort of feel like him and Rodriguez will be trying to get in those same sort of spaces, but on either flank. So. If Iwobi does play, it could be a big game for Luca Dean to just constantly get round him on that left-hand side. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we've seen uh, how important Luca Dean is to this side. You can always count on him that he's going to create chances in every game. Uh, but in terms of who are bringing on that left side, I, I would really like it to be Gordon, but my head tells me that it will be Alex Iwobi. Um, and you know what? I've, again, no issues at all with Iwobi coming in. I think... I think he has done a few things in recent games that have been very good. You know, I think back to the assist that he got, I think it was against Brighton for Hammers. And, you know, even little things like when he had to come on towards the tail end of the derby when we're obviously down to 10 men. And, you know, he, he's doing them little tricks and skills, mugging off the, the best left back in the league or the world or whatever they say. Second uh, best left back in the league, Sarah, come on. Yeah, no, no, I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm quoting them, don't worry. <laughs> but yeah, exactly that. And I, I think, you know, he's able to, uh, to, to do things like that. And um, I think now the, the mentality in the team with us being top of the league, everybody seems happy, everybody's, you know, Richarlison's obviously going to miss a few games now. So if you're a Wobi, I think you're going to really go for it and, and try and make your mark and, and put your stamp on games and think, at, at the very least, get get yourself an assist, uh, try and get a goal or whatever. But I'd love to see Gordon come in. I've been quite surprised to not see him uh, included, even in some of the, the, the squads um, in recent games, because even the derby, I was thinking, it's got him written all over this. Um and yeah, I, I I love watching Anthony Gordon play. I think every time he's on the pitch, you just fancy him to. I know we haven't actually seen him burst the net yet, which is bizarre when you think of the amount of chances that have come off the upright or the crossbar or been saved or what have you. But yeah, I would love to see him come in because he always, you always fancy him to score or get an assist, and uh, he's some something very exciting. And the fact he's a local lad, it just it just adds something extra and top player so yeah I'd love I'd love it to be Gordon but I think it will be a Wobi. I was just gonna say I was just gonna say Matt before um, you move on about how uh, this is a different test to everything we've seen so far this season and 
personally, I feel as if it's it's a very different one simply because I'm I'm already I don't know whether it's the sort of morbid side that I am or or, or just generally a negative person, but I'm I'm looking ahead to like how we react to certain things going wrong this season, and albeit the derby wasn't one of those. Hear me out. It, it's it's not a negative thing, but what I'm focusing on is when the first defeat comes, when the first sort of serious injustice comes, when there's several injuries and we're ravaged and, and who steps up. All of those things, I think, are vital to how far we go and if we can sustain this form. And um, what we've seen so far is really encouraging from fringe players. You, you think of who started that Brighton game in midfield. Um, they, they were fine. Gilfie Sigurdsson, dare I say it, really impressed me so far. Davis the same when he come, up, come into the side. Everybody seems to have lifted themselves up to a standard that is acceptable now. Um, and that's crucial for us going forward. The second part of what I mean about it is we're playing a side that has just come back from, from behind to get a really good point away at Chelsea. Southampton are no mugs in this league. They're very, very unpredictable. We could go there and beat them 4 or 5 nil, or, or get beat um, in a really poor sort of dogged display, uh, 1 or 2 nil, and, and Danny Ings scores off his backside or something like that. They're that type of unpredictable side in the Premier League and that makes them more dangerous for me. How we bounce back from our first non-three-pointer on, on Saturday is going to be really, really interesting. And if you look at those fixtures up to the international break, me and Rob Vera had a really long chat about this yesterday, about two hours long, to be honest with you, um, <laughs> about how uh, Everton get through this. What, what points total would you take from these three games coming up? And I sort of come to terms with him and said, well, if, to, if somebody come up to me right now and said to me, Wipe those three games off the calendar and I'll give you six points. Would you take it? And I just about said, yeah. And I think, I've been thinking about it ever since, really. And, and I'm not too sure I would now, actually, because I think Southampton are there for the taking. Newcastle, I think, are a box of tricks, aren't they? And United at home, I think, there's, there's, still, there's still ramblings of an injustice that we didn't win that one towards the end of last season against them, isn't it, as well? So um, I, I guess I'd probably go back on that now. But would, would you take six points from the next three? Yeah, I think I probably would, yeah. You would. And that means yeah. our first defeat, of course, as well. Sarah's shaking her head. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I would. I'm getting greedy now. I even <laughs> Like you just said there, Dave, I didn't enjoy our first non-three-pointer of the season. It felt strange no. to not be like, is right, going to watch Match of the Day, thinking, yeah, seeing the Toffees banging in goals and yeah. winning by, by loads of goals. And I, I don't want to see us just yet. Obviously... It's inevitable, isn't it? At some point that we're gonna we're gonna lose a game, but I don't I don't want to see that uh, anytime soon. And I think those games, at the very least, I know it's only one point extra, but seven points. I don't want to see us don't want to see us lose any games yet. I think we're better than all those sides. United have had a couple of good results, but I mean they they got absolutely humiliated a couple of weeks ago. They've been all over the place. So I fancy us um, see the players like Hammers and. Alan, you know, we had a lot of players that had an off game on uh, on Saturday, and I think if if, if we can can get them uh, form into the way they have done, I think we should uh, get get seven at least out of them. Let's go for nine. Why not? <laughs> See, it's, not, it's, not, it's not it's not fair asking Sarah this day because I don't think she'd take ninety points for the season if you asked her. <laughs> probably be saying, now we can get a hundred this year. We can break City's record. Hey, I tell you what, we probably we still wouldn't win it. No one our luck. <laughs> what would you say, Mike? Would you take that? Would you take six? I mean, I'd take six. I'd be, yeah, probably would. I think 
you know, I really, I, I really want nine. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I it's mean, great, the, isn't it? The, the, isn't the it thing isn't it great how our mind is just shifting now, though. The reason that, the reason that takes six, this way. The reason that takes six, Dave, is because we're going to be about our, if not our best player, or one of our best three players for all three yeah. of those games. Mm. I think, you know, as, as much as we're sitting here going, Iwobi's done well and Gordon can offer something, you know, Richarlison, I think you, you put this during a game the other week, I can't remember which one it was, you sort of saying, God, that lad offers so much. And it, it's not just in terms of his goal scoring, it's getting mm-hmm. up and down that flank, tackle, endeavour. It, it's infectious to the rest of the team. And I think you take him out that forward line and I think the, the dynamic changes a lot in terms of style. But I think it's, he sets the tempo as well with his press and his work right to the top end of the pitch. And I think not having that is going to be a big blow. Listen, I think we can still win all those games without him. We've got it in us. I think we've got players there who can potentially come in and, and do a good job replacing him. But I think we will be a, a worse side without him. And that's that's not slagging the other lads off by any means. But, you know, he is one of our best footballers. But do you, do you know what? I, I think as well, in terms of new tests for this side, you look at the, the players that could come in there. You know, Mike's mentioned the, the one far, you know, straight from left field in Nkunku. But you look at Bernard, Awobi, and Gordon. I'd love to be on the fly, a fly on the wall in there right now and, and just see the difference in how they're approaching a potential opportunity compared to last season when it didn't look like anybody wanted to play. Um, and, and again, that'd be another another tick in a box for me that this side has rapidly evolved. And it is a side that can continue this sort of, um, if not form, then certainly attitude towards winning games of football. Um, because if you were to say to me, and it will be in there as well, of course, if you, were, if you were to say those three or four players you could potentially throw in that position, I'd imagine the way we've been so far this season, that they are putting absolutely everything into every single training session right now, desperate to get the shirt that Richarlison vacated for these three games. Um, and... You, you think about that being probably being the likelihood. Would you say that at any point last season, even when we were half decent at, at times, you would no. not say that about players, would you? No, absolutely not. And I think the, the other good thing for them is as well, it's they'll be going into games thinking they can get off the bench, you know, as yeah. well. Whereas over the last few weeks, it might not have been the case. They might be thinking, you know, you know, Richardson starting oh, left sure. wing, yeah. you know, Wobie's going to come on ahead of me as well. And then it might have another player ahead of me. All of a sudden, you're that one step closer to, to getting minutes and being able to make a case. So, yeah, it's exciting. Um, before we wrap up, then, how's it going to go on Sunday, Sarah? At four five nil, I imagine, from your point of view. <laughs> um, I'm going to actually go for a two one Everton. Um, like you said, I think missing Richarlison will make it a bit more difficult. Ings is nail on to score, isn't yeah. it? So I'm going to go as long as it's a win, two one Everton. Mike, um, I'm going to go one nil. I really want a clean sheet. Yeah, yeah, about time. I, I, I think I can see a really similar game to the Crystal Palace one myself. Um, I think I think Southampton will try and be physical. Um, of course, they are going up to the uh, murderers and um, you know assault assault ridden Everton this weekend. Aren't they? <laughs> Southampton. Um, Hopefully, they're so, all terrified yeah. to put tackles in. Well, I was <laughs> say, I mean, yeah. I'd be surprised if some of our players make it because they might have got jail sentences by now. <laughs> um, but I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with say that I think two one. Bit of a gritty game, I think. We'll have to fight this one out. And if there's anyone good at fighting right now, it's Everton because they're just they're just known for 
you know, breaking and entering property, hitting people in the face, you know, chopping legs down like Kung Fu warriors. So um, if anyone wants to fight, don't pick Everton because we'll come and we'll destroy you. So, you know, well, I quite, <laughs> like, quite like we've got this reputation as well. Obviously, you don't want the reputation for ending player seasons and all that sort of thing. But it's nice to let people looking at us going, oh, they're a bit of a nasty side then, aren't they? It's, you know, I, I don't mind a bit of that, to be honest. And the thing is, though, it's absolutely not true yet. <laughs> Do you know no, what I mean? No. Pe- people are saying things about this side that's simply not true. For me, I still think they're too nice, to be honest. So um, it's interesting the rest of the world seems to have us down as these uh, as the lead side of the 1970s and all this nonsense. <laughs> um, we, we, I, yeah. I think we've still got a load of puppy dogs in the midfield. Who's, who's so. going to be our chopper Harris, yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. It's, it's back to Bremen and all that sort of thing, isn't it? People yeah. think we're that side now. Um, which I like, but when they dig a little bit deeper, we're actually not like that at all. Yeah. Um, all right. I, I reckon, I, I think if we score early, we could run away with this one. But it's just getting that early goal because they played dead high line. They're being, yeah. you know, Spurs, once they got, once Spurs scored against them, they just took them to pieces on the break. So, yeah, I, th- I think I think he might win 3 1. Uh, Dom will score again I reckon yeah 3-1 three, three yeah. toffees uh, hopefully that's the case uh, obviously thanks very much for tuning in uh, on YouTube and, and getting involved in, in the comments and all that sort of thing uh, really enjoy that, that interaction uh, if you listen to the podcast uh, give us a rating as well on iTunes give us a review all that sort of thing it does help uh, and a reminder that if you want to hear more from us uh, do head over to Patreon where we are on the Blue Room Extra it's patreon.com slash the Blue Room Extra if you want to hear more from us multiple shows every day during the week building up to that match against Southampton but yeah in the meantime thanks to Sarah, Mike and Dave that's been your weekly show here on the Blue Room we'll speak to you again live on YouTube same time again next week when you need milk for Zoe and a cold brew for yourself King Supers delivery will get you just what you need in as little as 30 minutes open the King Supers app and start your cart whatever the cart King Supers fresh for everyone Delivery time's not guaranteed. Restrictions may apply. See site for details. When you're a Boost member, you get free delivery, double fuel points, and lots more. Sign up at kingsupers.com boost. Sports Social Podcast Network.